Hello everyone and welcome to The Three Ball. I'm your host Sam and today's podcast I'm going to be recapping the first two, two and a half, three weeks of the NBA season. Thus far there's been a lot that has gone on, a lot of interesting storylines, one big trade, just a lot of, you know, NBA stuff that's cool that's been happening to finally have games going again. And seeing uh, what a uh, new NBA season, it's always really fun when the NBA season comes around and it is that time of year now, which is very, very exciting. Now, I do want to apologize for a lack of consistency with these podcasts. I've been very, very busy finishing college applications and stuff over the past few weeks, so I do apologize for that right now. But I hope to get this to be a little more consistent, hopefully once a week, twice a week. I'll just see how my scheduling works out. I'm, I have... My my life is crazy right now, so I do apologize for a lack of consistency there, but like I said, I'm going to try to get these out at least once a week, maybe twice. We'll see how things progress. But the thing I want to talk today first about is is the James Harden trade. I haven't had a chance to talk about this, at least openly yet, and I, I know it, at this point it was like a week and a half ago, probably old news, but still, it's, it's an interesting storyline, especially considering that now... Since the Harden trade, the Clippers are 0-3. Since Harden's been on the team, on the court, they haven't looked too great yet, which is is, is definitely interesting, potentially a cause for concern. I, I'm not really sure what to think of it, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to when the trade initially happened. My initial reaction was that, wow, the Clippers got him for absolutely nothing, considering they gave away Marcus Morris, they gave away Nick Batum and Robert Covington. Roko was a starter so far this year. Morris hadn't played yet in Batum, but Batum's fine. They sent them all to Philly, and then they got back Harden and another guy who I think they cut in Sacramento signed up, Philippe something. But that that was the trade, and they gave a few first-round picks, which, you know, they gave all of them to Oklahoma City in the, in, in the Paul George deal, so somehow they still had some left over. And now they have none because they sent them over to Philadelphia. So the Clippers are full in on, on this on, on this core. If it doesn't work out, then they are stuck for a very long time because they don't have any draft picks until like 2031, which is a very long time away. So the Clippers, you know, this core needs to get them some sort of success, whether that's with this current team or by potentially, I don't know, I highly doubt this would be the case, potentially by trading them away for more assets, although I doubt that would be the case because that would mean a rebuild and they don't have their draft picks, so that's not a likely situation. But that, that those are sort of the options for the Clippers. So they are sold on this core. There's not much they can do to alter it. And on paper, a, a lineup of Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and even Zubac is not bad at all. And I, I know they get some depth in the, in, in the trade, but a bench lineup of Bones Highland, Norman Powell, Mason Plumley, Amir Coffey, Brandon Boston, uh, Kobe Brown, Jordan Miller. That's not that bad. That That's honestly not a terrible bench unit. And that, that's a bench unit that, compete, that can compete, especially considering that most of the time the guys that are going to be out there are, are their core guys of Westbrook, Harden, Leonard, and George. I mean, those are the guys who are going to play the most and Bench guys are going to come in and and get and give you spot minutes when you need it. And obviously, Harden, George, and Leonard are probably going to have you know some injury problems at some point during the year. Hopefully not, but I I I don't think that's a, that's something that can be avoided. I think that's going to happen at some point in time. So they have guys who can come in, start, do their job. They also have, they kept Terrence Mann, who I don't think he's played yet this year, but they kept Terrence Mann too. So the Clippers team like 
I still think that their depth is going to be perfectly fine, although they did trade away some of their power forwards, but like I said, I think it's okay. I mean, for for the value they gave up, getting James Harden back was incredible. It, it, it really was. Now, on the court so far, it hasn't looked great. Harden just hasn't looked like he's found his role yet with George and Leonard. And, and that's okay. I mean, this is an, an, a new group of guys for Harden to play with. Obviously, he's played with Westbrook twice before, has yet to play with George or Leonard. He hasn't played with either of those guys before. So that'll take a little bit of adjusting to him. But, like, George and Leonard, those are two guys who are incredible in the defensive end of the court. Harden, obviously, not, not a bad defender, but he's much, much, much better offensively. That's where his value is going to come in on the offensive end of the court. He and Westbrook both are offensive-minded players. Well, while George and Leonard, although great offensively, those are the guys who you want to be your defensive leaders. So they have, you know, they, they have a good mix of offense and defense there. And then obviously Paul George can let you up on any given night. Kawhi Leonard can do the same thing. We haven't seen it as much recently. But when Kawhi Leonard gets going, he is really hard to stop. We just haven't had the pleasure of seeing that, you know, since his Toronto days, to be honest. He hasn't really been on the same you know, level. But... Like that being said, he's still incredible. If you have him going, if you have George going, if you have Harden going, you don't even need all of them. You need two of them going. They they, they just haven't really seemed to gel on the court yet. Which that's okay. They've been together for a week and a half. It'll it'll take time. It'll it'll take time. And and once that happens, I think they'll be okay. Their next game is against my Memphis Grizzlies, so they should be all right. That's actually a good transition to what I want to talk about next. It is the Grizzlies. I I know a lot of you don't care about a one and eight Memphis Grizzlies team, but I'm a Grizzlies fan, so I feel obligated to talk about them, and complain, <laughs> complain about how how bad our team looks at the current moment in time. Obviously, as I, as I said, we're right now one and eight, the worst record in the NBA. The only team without two wins, I think. Yeah, the Pistons and Riz- Wizards also have two wins. But we only have one, <laughs> and that was that came against the Portland Trailblazers like a week ago. Now it, it was, yeah, it, it was, yeah. It, it's not looking good for my Grizzlies at the current moment in time, but that's okay. I'm I'm not stressed too much. I mean, we 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 got to get back in the win column before John Morant comes back, and I think once John Morant comes back, the Grizzlies are going to be a good NBA team again. The question is, can the Grizzlies be a seventy percent? Win. Can they win 70% of their games when John Morant comes back? Because if they can't, then this hole that, 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 that we're digging for ourselves may be too deep to climb out of, especially in a Western Conference that is this deep. But at the same time, a deeper Western Conference means that the bar to reach the play-in could be a little bit lower because everyone's sort of beating each other up, but it also, like, it, it's, it's kind of weird. So hopefully the, the, the West stays con- you know, compact. Right now, we're only three games back at the ten seed, which is where, really where you need to be in the in the Western Conference to make something happen. You got to win two games when it comes down to it, because I, I think at this point it'd be really tough for the Grizzlies not to, to be a play-in team, at least unless they get a streak going right now, which might be it might might be tough. We we played both LA teams, which winnable games. We'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. But some things I want to talk about. Obviously, John Morant being out is is really. You know, it it hurts the offensive capabilities of, of this team. Desmond Bain is great. He can create for himself, but he can only do so much. Jaron Jackson, he has moments where he, he is able to get his own, for the most part. It, it It's it's more teammates setting him up, for, for the most part. Like I said, there are moments where he just takes it to the rim. It's like, it, it looks like a terrible drive. And then somehow he just finishes it. He's really good at that, to be honest. I wish he would do it more. 
but when he does that, he actually does get a lot of points and, 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 and you know, a lot of success for himself and for the team. So I'd like to see him, you know, have more opportunities to drive to the rim because he is seven foot. He actually does have a really clean touch around the rim. Like he, like I said, he he drives in with a lot of force, and it looks like he's going all over the place, but then he finishes really clean. That that that's that's sort of the Jaron Jackson Jr. drives, and it, it it's really interesting. But I would like to see more of it. But missing Jaw means that you don't have that you know steady supply of offensive leadership, steady supply of offensive playmaking, and when you need a bucket, you know who to go to. Obviously, right now I, I would say the go-to guy has to be Desmond Bain, but th- this is Jaw's team. It's not Bain's team. It is Jaw's team. And missing jaw is, is is it really really hurts. But I think almost equally as important, almost, is missing Stephen Adams. Missing Stephen Adams is huge for this Grizzlies team. You saw it last year in the playoffs. I venture to say that if the Grizzlies had Stephen Adams, they would have beaten the Los Angeles Lakers in that series. I, I I fully believe that. I fully fully believe that. I think the impact Stephen Adams has for the Grizzlies is like one of the most. He is one of one of the most impactful role players in the NBA. I, I, I do not say that lightly. I think he is one of the most impactful role players in the NBA, if not the most. Just what he does for this Grizzlies team can it cannot be supplied by anybody else. Nobody else can can match it. We've we've seen Xavier Tillman try. It, it it's just not the same. It's just it's just not the same. Steven Adams, he sets incredible screens. In, in incredible screens. He actually has great vision for a big man. If you see some of the passes he makes, he actually has some very solid vision, something that he's developed in, in the past few years. He's actually got some great vision and rebounding. We all know what Steven Adams can do on the offensive glass, on the defensive glass. He cleans up everything. So missing Adams, you know, that that, that eliminates a, a, a great screen setter, number one. It eliminates a, a, a great rebounder, which is very important because Jaron Jackson Jr. is not a great rebounder. He, he's, he's a shot blocker. He's not a great rebounder. Steve Adams, great rebounder. Not really a shot blocker, but that's okay. He's a great rebounder. And another thing to mention about Steven Adams, he may not get the most rebounds in a game, but you know what? That's okay because you know why? He boxes out the best guy, the best rebounder in the other team. Hypothetically, if the Grizzlies are playing like the Timberwolves or something, he, he goes, he boxes out Rudy Gobert. Somebody else can come get the rebound because Rudy Gobert's not in the picture. You see, what, you see what I'm saying? Even if Adams doesn't get the rebound, he prevents the best player on the opposing, the best rebounder on the opposing team from getting that rebound as well. So it, you know, it, it works out really, really well if we have Adams on, on the floor. And also, another, another thing that I think the Grizzlies are missing a lot this year is Tyus Jones. I, I think we really, really miss Tyus Jones. I'm not saying Marcus Smart's bad or anything. I love Marcus Smart. He's actually been really, really solid while he's been here. He's been a great, great defensive player. But I, I think we're missing Tyus Jones and Dylan Brooks. I, I, Mar- Marcus Smart was sort of supposed to be a mix of those two. We, we sort of got rid of Brooks and Jones and put them together for Marcus Smart. That, 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 that's kind of the, the offseason move for the Grizzlies. And it, it hasn't really worked out that way. Brooks was obviously a little bit bigger, so he was able to guard some of the, some of the guys on the other team. And, and and Zaire Williams can kind of do that. Zaire Williams can kind of do that, but it's it's not the same level. Obviously, I, I I like Zaire's shot selection better. I think he's a smarter player. I I, I really like Zaire Williams. I think he's gonna have a great season. That that's a side note though. But I, I do think Zaire Williams is gonna be great this year. Just just give him a, a a few more weeks, a month or two, and we'll we'll see where he is. But Dylan Brooks, he's able to guard the best player in the opposing team. He can guard up one through three. He can guard any of those guys. Smart kind of can. At the end of the day, he's a 6'2", 6'3", guard 
He does have a great wingspan, like six nine, six ten wingspan. He's a great wingspan. He's just shorter than you would. He's just shorter than you would want. But that, that that's okay. Like that, that's okay. We have him and Zaire defense. That's fine. But Tyus Jones, what he did on offense, he was able to settle the team down, run the offense effectively and efficiently, and uh, efficiently, and allow guys like Desmond Bain to play off the ball. He's even better off the ball. Get Luke Kennard open looks. He hasn't looked great this year, but he's getting he's getting it back. He's getting a three point shot back. Tyus Jones allowed for that to happen while maintaining an incredible assist to turnover ratio. I I think missing Tyus Jones is really hurting this team. Marcus Smart, he's he's fine. He's a, he's a fine playmaker. He's a fine distributor. He's just not the quality of a distributor of a playmaker that Tyus Jones is. Simply put, obviously Smart's a better probably a better all around scorer, but Tyus Jones is a better shooter. Tyus Jones is a better shooter. Smart's a better defender. Sure, Smart's a better defender. But just, just, Smart can't cover for missing both Jones and Brooks. He he misses a little bit of what each of them gave to the team last year. I think that's also really hurting the, the, this Grizzlies team. So I, I, I think it's just a, a, a process of getting used to the, to this rotation that we're, that we're trying to develop. It, it, it's just slow right now. I've really liked Bismack Biombo though. He's come in and he's done really good. He doesn't shoot threes like Xavier Tillman. I don't know why Tillman continues to shoot threes. He's not a good three-point shooter. That's not his game. Yet he continues to shoot them. I'm, I'm day by day growing more and more out on Xavier Tillman. So I, I don't mind seeing Bismack Biombo get some of those minutes there. You know, while while Tillman's injured, I don't mind Bismack getting in there and getting you know minutes and getting run with this team. So I would I would like to see him continue to do so even when when Tillman does return. But I I think it's okay. We just gotta find a way to get some wins. We have some really bad losses too. We've lost to the Jazz twice. We lost to Portland. We lost to Washington. Those are some bad losses there. At the same time, we, we, we've kept it close with the Denver Nuggets, who are arguably the best team in the NBA right now. We kept it very close with them, competitive. All uh, they were like The whole game, the Nuggets were winning. This was a long time ago. The whole game, Denver was winning. We were just hanging with them, hanging with them. Eventually, it didn't go our way, but hey, we, we hung with them, which is really good considering this, this team does not look good right now. But I, I think it'll take some time... My prediction is that we have like eight or nine wins by John, when John Morant comes back, and if if that's the case, fine. If we get up to like ten or twelve wins, I think that I think we should be okay. Twelve might be a little bit of a stretch at this point in time, but we'll just see. Sixteen more games, then John Morant can return, and the Grizzlies will progress from there. Okay, that's enough for my Grizzlies rant. I needed to get that off my chest, and. I'll, I'll just stay on the topic of the Western Conference. I talked about them briefly. I want to talk about the Nuggets again. They, they 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 have not lost a step. The Denver Nuggets are an absolutely incredible basketball team. They lost uh, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green this offseason. It doesn't matter. Peyton Watson has come in and filled that role, filled the filled the void left by Bruce Brown really well. Peyton Peyton Watson has has taken a step. Denver's really needed that. And then Jamal Murray, I know he's out right now, but still, he he looked good when he was playing. Jokic, we all know what Jokic can do. MPJ actually hasn't been bad. The, the, this Nuggets team just picking up right where they left off. They're they're, they're just awesome. They're absolutely awesome. And then Dallas, Dallas has looked good too. Dallas has looked good, whether with Kyrie, without Kyrie, they've actually looked really good. I think that's a, a large in large part thanks to Derek Lively. I, I think that Derek Lively has made a huge impact on this team, just having a true center. They haven't really had one. Dwight Powell's okay, but he's like 6'7", 6'8", if I'm not mistaken. He's not the tallest of, of guys, 
Derek Lively's a 7-2 big man. He, he, can, he can play that big man role really well, and I think that's been very impactful for Dallas. I think that was a great draft day move. They, I think they moved down in the draft, so they got rid of Davis Bertans, which was kind of nice. They wanted to get off that money. They, they moved off of Davis Bertans' contract and still got their guy. So I, I, I do think that, that, that Derek Lively's impact on Dallas has been pretty great. And even Grant Williams, Derek Jones Jr., these newcomers for Dallas have fit in really, really well with Luka and Kyrie, which is all you can ask for. And even Luka and Kyrie themselves, you can see, are sort of they're starting to they're starting to work together better, and this is starting to look like a more coherent basketball team. Last year, they went from the four seed to the eleven seed after Kyrie got traded there. You know, not not great for that matter, but you know since. Since since the start of this year, they've they've really looked like they they can play together and that this experiment could work out. So into you know at the end of the day, I think it's a fine trade that they got Kyrie. I mean, if you look at the package they gave up, they're fine. <laughs> Denwinnie and Dorian Finney-Smith, they're fine giving those guys up. But still, it looks like it was worth it, and it was worth you know buying in on this core. And then the the, the last couple of Western Conference teams I want to talk about are. The, the Wolves, Rockets, Warriors, and Thunder, just just to, just to round it out. The Wolves and Rockets have surprised. The Rockets started out really, really bad, but they, they sort of started to ramp it up. They, they started to ramp it up. Dylan Brooks looks like an all-new player. He stopped taking some of the idiotic shots that he took in Memphis. His three-pointers, they're actually they're, they're going in. Dylan Brooks has looks like a real-quality offensive basketball player. doesn't look like a negative guy on the offensive end, and you see the impact that can have on a team. Especially a team like the Rockets, where they actually have a very good group of five players and go out and win you games. Van Vliet, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith, and Alperin Shingun have looked really good together. They have. They, they, they have a, a great mix. All of them can stretch the floor at least a little bit. Smith and Shingun aren't the greatest shooters, but they're, you know, they at least make defenders, you know, keep, keep defenders honest. Like, the, the Rockets have, like, they've turned it around. I'm interested to see how, how many more games they can win. They've won five in a row at home. So maybe when they go on the road, it's a different story, but we'll wait and see how that progresses. And then the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have looked really good, too. They also won five in a row. And then, and once again, another team that's just starting to mesh at the right time. I think a large part of that is Rudy Gobert, who looks a lot better in year two with Minnesota than he did in year one. He looks a lot better. He's going back to this defensive player of the year form that, that we saw in Utah, where he's just able to just be a defensive menace, to be honest, just to be a menace on the defensive end of the court. That's what he's looked like. It's been really impactful for Minnesota. And obviously, the real reason Minnesota is really good right now is Anthony Edwards. Just Anthony Edwards is, is awesome. Anthony Edwards is awesome. He's going to be an all-star this year. He's he's going places in this in this league. I would not be surprised to see him as an MVP candidate in like two or three years and, and an MVP winner in like five or six. I would not be surprised. Even in like three or four. It just depends on how good he can get this team. And to be honest, I think the way that they do that is by moving on from Carthony Towns. A- am I crazy for saying that? I don't know. But I I, I, I really like the, the rest of the team. Like from, from Conley, Edwards, McDaniels, Gobert. That looks really good. Towns hasn't even been that bad this year. I just, I, I just think it might be time to move on from him. Now, the, 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 the question is, by moving on from him, what are you getting back in return, right? That, that becomes the question because chances are you're not going to get something of equal value. You're going to get young players and draft picks, which doesn't really help the Timberwolves at the current moment in time. But potentially, you do a three-team trade, right? You, you, you send Towns one place, you get somebody else. 
and you just see where it goes from there. Jaden McDaniels can play the, the the four if he has to. You get a, a small forward to come in. I don't know who that would be, but you just get another guy in to come in and just be be different from Cat. You know, just just be an alternate option for Anthony Edwards, another offensive weapon. Because Anthony Edwards is a great offensive weapon. He can get his own whenever he wants it. And Mike Conley's a great creator. He's 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 looked pretty good this year too. So we'll we'll, we'll just see. What Minnesota does, like I said, I don't think they'll move on from. I don't. I don't think they'll move on from Cat. But I think the next step in getting this team to where it needs to be is to stop building around Carl Anthony Towns and to start building around Anthony Edwards. I, I think. I think that's the direction that the team is beginning to take. The direction the team should take, just based on what we've seen out of Anthony Edwards in the past six months through in in, in uh in FIBA and 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 in this, he just is an all new beast. He's awesome. He's incredible. And the thing I watched him, I watched him play one college game when he's at Georgia. He didn't look that good. He had a, he had a very mediocre game, but now look at him. He's absolutely incredible. So Anthony Edwards, yeah, build build on him. And then the Warriors, they they've had some really good moments this year. Stephen Curry has not lost a beat. If if anything, like if anything else, he's gotten better. He just he just looks awesome. He just looks awesome. Chris Paul off the bench. Has looked really good too. I think that's been a really good trade. I think it's an upgrade from Jordan Poole. Currently, they're six and four. The Warriors, they're fine. They 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 stay competitive most games, and and they're able to win games where they're like the Warriors are able to to get around. I think they're a really good team. I think they'll be scary, and I think they are going to be like a top four seed in the West this year. Just just based on what I've seen in the regular season, the commitment by Curry, the commitment by the rest of the guys to be a good regular season team, and lastly, the OKC Thunder, who have, you know, who have taken the next step that many people thought they may have, with guys like Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams, who's looked really good, and adding Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren has looked really good. He can stretch the floor. He can block shots. He, he's a little easy to beat defensively, but he can get back into play with his length, so Chet Holmgren, like, genuinely has, has been a really, really good addition, especially considering that OKC hasn't really had a great center in years past. It was Jeremiah Robinson Earl who was who was okay for him. He was okay for him, but not not really the type of guy you're looking for. But a center rotation of Chet Holmgren and Jalen Williams, Arkansas, not bad at all. Not bad at all. So I do think OKC could be going places. Another guy I really really like on OKC is Kaysen Wallace. I am a Kentucky fan, so I'm a little bit biased there. But if you look at the track record of Kentucky guards in the NBA, it's absolutely incredible. You look at Kaysen's teammate Shea Gilgeous Alexander. Awesome. He was he was just okay in college. He was just okay in college. Now now look at him. And there there's more. There's Tyler Hero. There's Devin Booker. There's De'Aaron Fox. Um, I know there's more. I'm forgetting. But those are just the guys off the top of my head. Kentucky guards have a very good reputation. Jamal Murray, I think they have a great reputation for succeeding in the NBA. And Cason Wallace doesn't miss shots. It's it's cra- it's crazy. He doesn't miss. I I wish he would take more initiative in the offense. I don't know if that's because you know you're you're leaving that to Gideon Shea. Which if you do, that's fine. Or, or if that's Mark Dagnall just wanting him to get to get used to playing off the ball, if you see him more in that type of a role, because Wallace is a great defender. That's where a lot of his value is going to come from, is on the defensive end of the court. But offensively, he can shoot. He can get to the rim. I, 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 would, I, would, like, I would like to see him in a more of a creator role. I, I would like to see how, how he plays in that type of position. But... We'll just we'll just wait and see how OKC handles that. But I, I do think they may have gotten another really good guard on their hands. And then that's most of the stuff I wanted to talk about in the Western Conference. Just just general things. A lot to talk about in the West because 
The Grizzlies are in the West, so I pay more attention to the Western Conference. And then in the East, Philadelphia. They've looked really, really good. They lost their first game of the year against Milwaukee. I watched that game. Remember that one? Though, 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 what happened? The Dame. Dame had a great fourth quarter. Remember that game? But since then, they have not lost. They've looked really good. Especially Tyrese Maxey and Kelly Oubre. Those guys have been awesome. Like, absolutely amazing. Tyrese Maxey has, like, honestly, he's filled in for James Harden. You can say he's filled in better. Like, Maxey, he just, I feel like he plays smarter. And he, and he just fits better in general with Joel Embiid. And, 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 and playing Maxi allows you to play, you know, Maxi doesn't have to be off the ball anymore. It allows you to play DeAnthony Melton and start him, who's a, who's a great defender. Then you can still play Kelly Oubre, who has, he's, he's lit it up multiple, against multiple teams, which is really good. If they have scoring input from Kelly Oubre, that relieves a lot of pressure off of Maxi and Embiid and just makes it a lot, lot easier for this Philly team to have success. And I know they lost P.J. Tucker. I didn't even talk about him when I talked about uh, the Clippers. I know they lost P.J. Tucker, but uh, still, uh, what does, oh, Robert Covington, that's who it is. Robert Covington, he's fine. Robert Covington will do his job. At this point in his career, he knows what he's supposed to do. He will get in there. He will do his job, play defense, rebound, do what do, do what the team needs him to do. And then that, that's what Philadelphia wants out of him. And Philadelphia has just looked like a very, very coherent, complete team. Honestly, they did, this is kind of surprising considering that the, the way they exited last year in the playoffs, but that could have just been a James Harden problem. Honestly, I'm I'm not I'm not a big since Harden has left Houston, I haven't really seen a lot of playoff success out of him. I don't like I said I don't know if that's just a product of him of of, of him getting in bad situations or just him in general just not being a, 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 always a positive asset for a team when he when he starts doing some of his things. You know what I mean? When when he starts his antics cuz sometimes Harden can have a little bit of antics. And n- n- 9 points in a game seven won't help either. But nevertheless, I, I I think Philadelphia is better off without him. That they have looked better off without him. I I don't think you can debate that, honestly. I don't think you can debate that. This team looks really really good. Jaden Springer honestly has been very solid. That he's been, you know, obviously he played spot minutes here and there last year, but this year he's actually playing pretty consistent minutes, and he looks really good, so just another guy that Philadelphia has found who seems to be pretty solid, and then Boston, Boston looks good, and <laughs> there's not much to say about Boston, they're, they 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 are as good as people thought they would be with, with, with Holiday and Porzingis, and they, they just look really good, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I don't have much to say, they, 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 just, they look like how you would expect them to play. They look like a very good basketball team, one that can win the Eastern Conference, potentially the NBA championship if things go right. So Boston, good job. And then the the, the Pacers, Hawks, and Magic. The Pacers, Hawks, and Magic have all exceeded expectations so far in, throughout the season. The Pacers, honestly, they've looked really, really good. And I, I honestly, I, I, I can't point to one player and say that they're the reason. I think this has been a team effort. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton has, has, has led this, but... This has been a whole team thing, you know, from Tyrese Halliburton to Miles Turner to Toppin to uh, to Matherin. Who starts at their two? Not Buddy Heald. Who starts at the Pacers' two guard? I'm drawing a blank. That's that's on me. I, sh- I should know that. But the, the Pacers have just looked like a really, really, like I said, a, a solid team. Who's I mean, sure, they've, put, they've played some bad teams along the way, but they've beaten the likes of the Cavs. They've beaten the Bucks. They've beaten some solid teams. Bruce Brown was the, was the other guy. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown has looked good there, too. 
I don't know what's gotten into them this year, but they just look really, really good. I mean, obviously they had the fifty-one point loss to Boston, but that 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 happens, right? That happens. It's one fluke game. Halliburton didn't play. One fluke game. Other than that, they've looked really, really good this year, which is surprising for a team that I think many people would thought, okay, they're probably gonna miss the playoffs again, get another lottery pick. We'll see how Jairus Walker does this year, blah, 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 which he hasn't played much this year, which isn't a great sign, but maybe just give it time. I'm not, I'm not stressing too much about it right now. But yeah, Indiana's looked really good. And then Atlanta. Atlanta. Like, Jalen Johnson <laughs> has taken that next step. Jalen Johnson. My gosh, he looks awesome. Jalen Jalen Johnson is really, really good. At the start of the season, they were starting Sadiq Bey, and now they're starting Jalen Johnson. There's a reason that Jalen Johnson is now that starting power forward in Atlanta. And... Honestly, John Collins, uh, they're, they're better off without him. They're, they're, they are better off without him. And sure, they traded him for potato chips. But still, they got rid of him. And that's what they needed to do. They needed to... It, it just didn't work with him and Capella in the paint. Johnson can stretch the floor. He's he's, he's almost as athletic as, as Collins is. He, he really can do everything John Collins can do. Just as, just as a better shooter. He doesn't have the, 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 the same build as John Collins. The same physicality. But that's okay. Because Clint Capella can provide the physicality that you need. Especially as this Hawks team is one that likes to shoot the ball. They're going to beat you from three-point range with, with, with Trey, DeJounte, DeAndre Hunter. Who's also looked really good. And now Jalen Johnson. This is a team that's going to beat you from deep. And then... The, the the Trey Clint Capella lobs also we 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 know what those we know what those do Capella's been getting lobs his whole career from Chris Paul from James Harden from Trey Young he's just the beneficiary of a lot of lobs but yeah Atlanta looks to be very competitive this year I would not be surprised if they're a top six seed in this Eastern Conference when all things are said and done and then lastly the Orlando Magic another team that's looked much better than expected I think that's a cause of Jalen Suggs honestly Jalen Suggs. Who, who seemed to have a mediocre year two last year. It was year two last year, right? Yeah, I think so. But he's looked much better so far in year three. And then you obviously have the guys like um, uh, Markel Fultz, Wendell Carter. I know he's injured for a while, but still he looked good. Franz Wagner, Paulo Bancaro, who honestly hasn't had to do a lot much, a lot this season because the rest of the team's been really good. Mo Wagner off the bench, he's been really good. Just, just, and then, then, then getting guys like Jonathan Isaac involved, Joe Ingles, I think, has been a really solid veteran to add to this team. <clears throat> just from top to bottom, Orlando, another team that's just made a lot of improvements and that have surprised me so far. They're five and four. They're doing fine. They're just, uh, just a team that surprised me by their their their, their success right now. Their, their their success has surprised me. I'd like to see if they can keep it up. I did predict. I I didn't release anything, but I did think Orlando would be a play-in team this year. I, I, I did have high hopes for this Magic roster, just, just based on how it's constructed. I think they're a team that can remain competitive. They have some competitive pieces like Wagner, like Bancaro. They have some guys who can win you some basketball games, and I, I think it, it, this could be a year they make the play-in. I, I'm not sure they'll make the playoffs, but I think this could be a year where they're a 9-10 seed, maybe losing the first play-in game, but hey, that's natural progression. I don't think you're worried too much about it. If you reach there, that, that's a good step. And then you wait for Paulo to progress. You wait for Wagner to, to, to progress. And you just go from there. But yeah, that's most of the stuff that I wanted to talk about from the first couple of weeks of NBA action. If there's anything else that y'all want me to talk about, because I've, I've missed a lot. I'm sorry. I really have. I've missed a lot. Please do let me know in the comments down below. Hopefully next week I have another podcast and I can recap this upcoming week. And just hopefully I can get back on top of my stuff. Like I said, I'm really busy, so I'm, I'm really working t to get this done. But... Like so hopefully y'all stick with me through this, because I do I really do appreciate your support. And today I like I like making these podcasts, so I I really will do everything I can to get these out to you. 
as much as possible. But as I said, that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm out.